Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. I'm going to have you turn in your Bibles, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. It's almost to the end, kind of last book is Revelation. Then you come forward is Jude, right? Yeah, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st Peter chapter 5. And when you have it, if you do do me a favor and stand to your feet, please. And I just always repeat this every week. If you're new, if you're a visitor, if you're a guest, we won't go up down the whole morning. However, we stand when we read our primary text because it's a physical reminder. It's a physical reminder that says, this is the word of God. This isn't some, some guys who got together and wrote something. This is the word of God. And we believe he's speaking to us today. I hope you believe that, that God has a word for you today. We come to encourage each other to fellowship, but I believe God has a word for us today. First Peter 5 verses eight and nine, follow along as I read. It says this, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember, your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your holy word. We thank you that there is truth, Father, that this is truth in your word. Thank you that it guides us in all matters. In all matters, your word gives truth and it gives life. And so, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we need you to speak to us this morning. We need you. Holy Spirit, we need you to fill the room and speak loudly. Give us ears to hear, minds to understand, hearts to receive this this morning, God. Would you speak to us loud and clear and do it, Father, in a way that brings honor and glory only to your great name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So uh, we've been uh, going through this series now. It's a six-week series, and we just kicked off our life group. And so these are all designed for discussion, really. Optimally, they'd be discussion in your life group. And we started out week one, and week one we talked about the Bible itself. And why would we believe the Bible? Why do we believe it? What what would lead us to believe that we could read the Bible and, and trust in the Bible? And one of the things that you remember that we said is that, hey, nobody was following Jesus around when he was here on the earth and saying, whoa, back up, what did you say? I gotta write that down. Nobody was doing that. And nobody was walking around writing down the events as they happened. Nobody was doing that. In fact, people were leaving everything. They were leaving families and they were following this Jesus. They were placing their faith in Jesus and everything was going well. And then the Romans, you remember this? The Romans grabbed Jesus and they hung him on a cross and it was over. It was game over. Christianity, it's done. It is done. This Jesus was a fraud. Except here's what happened. And we said this in week one. We said that the story of Jesus was written because the story of Jesus didn't end on a cross. That's why this was all written down. That's why we don't believe the Bible because something extraordinary was written. We said this, we believe that something extraordinary happened. And so people want to debate this all the time. No, 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 listen to me, something happened. Then after the resurrection, then people went, oh snap, something happened. And now they go backwards and now they're writing it all down. And there were eyewitnesses there who saw everything and heard everything and they're starting to write everything down, right? And then last week we talked about What does the Bible have to say about Jesus and who is Jesus? Listen, we said this, no credible historian, no credible historian denies that there was the physical Jesus. Nobody denies that. Nobody, no credible historian denies that there was some form of crucifixion, that that actually happened to Jesus. But is that where it ends? Is Jesus just a man? That's what everyone else thinks. 
That's what your Mormon friends think. That's what your Jehovah Witnesses friends think. We love them. That's what your Muslim friends think, that we love them. They would say Jesus was a prophet. He was a good teacher. But the scripture speaks so much more to that. And so we concluded last week and we said this, Jesus is only Jesus if Jesus is God. That that's what differentiates him. That he validated that he was and is God. And so this week we're going to talk about a third topic. And this week, which by the way, let me just jump forward to next week. Next week we're going to talk about everybody's favorite topic. And it's the reason that you all love to bring your friends to church. Because we're going to talk about money. Okay. But here's the thing. And you should, just, you should just get this. Jesus talked more about money than he talked about heaven. That is a fact. And furthermore, Jesus never asked people for money. So this isn't a sermon on, oh, y'all should give your money to the church. That's really important. You need to give your money to the church. That's not what we're doing. We're going to talk about what really is money? And what, what really does money signify? And I think that'll be interesting for you. This week, we're going to talk about the devil. And what does the Bible have to say about the devil? Now listen, that could be a six-week series in itself. And there's no way to cover everything. So I'm going to narrow this down. I'm going to narrow our focus way down. There's two things, and you can just mark this down. These are the two things that I want you to walk out of here with today. I want you to just be really clear. When you walk out of here today, you should know these two things. Number one, what's the devil's strategy? And as a result, number two, what is my strategy? You have got to know that when you walk out of here today, and I'm hoping that you will. Now, I will also tell you this, and I'm going to reference this, and I don't do this very often, but I'm going to reference a book. You know this cue, that when you guys sit there, you know that this messes me up, because that's not your normal seat. You know you're in the wrong seat. You know that messes me up. (laughs) And so that's awesome. (laughs) And so uh, I'm going to reference a book for you. And this is a book that I keep saying I've been the last three or four months. Now it's been at least eight months. Uh, uh, We've taken our staff through this. And my guys group that meets uh, on Thursday mornings, we're going through this. And I believe it's a very powerful book. It's called Winning the War in Your Mind. It's by Pastor Craig Rochelle. Now, some people say, oh, Pastor, all we need is the Bible. That's all we need. And I'm like, you're right. And I agree with you. That's why when somebody full of the Holy Spirit writes something down, explaining the scriptures to me and, ex- and applying the scriptures in a very specific way, that's why I appreciate it. So I would highly recommend if any of this resonates with you, I'll, I'll reference it again at the end. But, but I think that's very important to us. And so uh, this morning, uh, we're going to take a look at this text. Uh, we're going to talk about, about, about the devil. What's, what's the devil's strategy? And then what's our strategy as a result of that? So I want you to look at your text this morning. The text says this. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says this. Stay alert. Stay alert. Exclamation point. Like this isn't said just like, hey, stay alert. It's like this, hey, stay alert. And further it says, watch out. Stay alert, watch out for what would be the question. And the answer is this, for your great enemy, the devil. And I don't know if you think about that on a daily basis. You have an enemy. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've committed your life to Christ, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, if you've confessed your sins to Christ, you actually have an enemy just because of that. It is a great enemy, and your enemy is the devil. The devil is your enemy. Now watch how Peter describes him, because I think this word picture is really powerful, so just soak this in for a minute. He says, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. The word is, is to consume, to swallow, to decimate, to completely wipe out. Now just stop for a minute. Think about that. Followers of Jesus, you have an enemy, a great enemy. That enemy is the devil, and he's roaming around like a roaring lion, looking to devour, to consume you. The scriptures, Jesus talking in John 10, 
10, 10 said an enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, pretty significant. Now, let me just address this as well, because Christians tend to fall on two ends of the spectrum. And, and you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The one end of the spectrum sees a demon behind every rock. Everything was the devil's fault. I had a buddy, and I've, I've probably told this before. I had a buddy years ago, and I didn't see him at church on a Sunday morning. This is years and years ago. I didn't see him at a church on a Sunday morning. And I said, hey, man, I didn't see you at church this morning. Were you able to get there? And he goes, no. I ran out of gas on the way to church. I knew the devil didn't want me to get to church. And I said, well, either that or you forgot to put gas in your car. I don't know. Like, do you know what I mean? Not everything is the fault of the devil. However, so that's one end of the spectrum. I, my concern is that so many Christians fall to the other end of the spectrum and nothing is spiritual warfare and they never acknowledge the devil and they forget that they have an enemy who's prowling around like a roaring lion looking to devour them. They never think about that. And so step number one, I would just say this, wake up. Christians, wake up. There is a battle. You are in a battle. You have an enemy. We'll talk about it more later, but I'm just saying you have to be aware of that. Look, think about this. World War II really, really, World War II really started in the late 1930s. I mean, like Hitler and the Nazis, they were just walking through a lot of Europe. There were, there were places that they walked, in particular, I think of Austria. I, I love World War II history, but in particular, they just walked through Austria. There was no, there was no battle. They just put up new flags. Right? And there were other places that, that they were doing battle, but they were just walking through a lot of Europe. And in the U.S., and I'm not making a political statement, but in the U.S., because we weren't getting bombed, because nothing was happening here, we just sat and watched. For about the first four or five years of World War II, we just sat and watched. And then, December 7, 1941, right? The bombing of Pearl Harbor. And now, oh, now there's a battle. Now, right. As long as we weren't being directly hit or the, or the casualties, like uh, maybe the price of some goods went up, but we weren't really affected. So we just thought, well, there's no really battle. There's, there's really not, not a battle. And so we sat it out. And then December 7, 1941, we got bombed. I mean, it was game on now. June 6, 1944, D-Day. About 150,000 American troops stormed the beaches at Normandy. A lot of those troops, they were Americans, right? And they stormed the beaches at Normandy, and there is gunfire everywhere. And it's estimated that the Germans planted over 4 million mines. And so there are all kinds of casualties, Right. Unfortunately, that was necessary because there was a battle and we were finally engaging in the battle. And I'm telling you, engage in the battle. Engage in the battle. Understand there is a battle. It is on. You have an enemy. Your enemy is seeking to devour you. Like, let's just wake up just a little bit. Now he goes on, Peter does, and he says this. So stand firm. Stand firm. Why? Because there's a battle. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. And remember this, your family of believers, and not just in this room, all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Listen, the enemy is, is, is waging war on all of Christians. Like that's just what he does. The enemy is waging war. Look, the enemy knows that he can't defeat God. He's already defeated. And so just think about this strategically. If he can't defeat God, what do you think he wants to do? He goes after God's kids. Right, we're in a battle, we're in a war, 
Everybody think about this. Now, let's talk about this just for a second, just so you have proper perspective on the enemy. And again, this is no history. You can go read, go home and read Isaiah chapter 14. Go home and read uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, and you'll get some more history and some insight in the devil. But I just want you to know a few things about the devil. Number one, know this. The devil is a created being, and that's very important for you to know. He is a created being. He is not a creator. He is not the great creator. He is a created being. And because he's a creator, being he is not God's equal we oftentimes go this God and Satan these are equal these are these are like these opposite forces and we see them like this and this is really important that you know this yes they are opposite no they are not equal Satan, Satan is, for instance, Satan is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at all times. He's not completely omniscient. He doesn't know all things. He's not all powerful yes opposite no not equal God is the creator. We also know that Satan can only do what God allows. Go back and read the book of Job. Remember this? Satan wants to test Job. And so what does he have to do? He has to go to God and ask God and get permission from God. Now, why does God allow it? Yeah, I have no idea. And I always say this, man, where's the first place I'm going when I get to heaven? The information booth. I have questions. I have no idea. I don't know why God allows some of this stuff. I don't know. But I'm telling you this, Satan can only do what God allows. Satan, the devil, Lucifer, the prince of this world, like you'll hear all those terms used, they all mean the same thing. He can only do what God allows. In part, Satan is already defeated. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, right? When Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered sin and death. Satan will be ultimately, which it's already preordained, Satan will ultimately be defended. We read in the book of the Revelation, the last book of the, in our Bible, uh, we read that uh, after the battle of Armageddon, he'll be cast into what is called the lake of fire, right? But he's partially defeated at this point. And so for that reason, we already have victory through Christ. But you need to know this, your victory is only in Christ. And so when crazy people pray out and they're like, Satan, I command you to do this. I'm like, Satan sits there and he's like, who are you? I don't know you. But when we go in the authority of Jesus, when we go in Jesus' name, then he's already defeated. Right? So just have a little clue about, about who he is. He is a created being. He is not God's equal. Now, very important. So John speaks of this. Jesus is, is speaking in John chapter 8, and he's going to des, uh, describe Satan. And this is going to clue us into what is his strategy. So if the devil is attacking you, and, and that's his desire, is to devour you, what is his strategy? I'm telling you, this is so straightforward. This is going to make sense to you. And, and then we're going to know, oh, if that's his strategy, what's mine? This is Jesus speaking, and John is recording it. Je Jesus is speaking to a group of people who actually believe in him, and he says, Listen, speaking of Satan, the devil, this is how he describes him. He has always hated the truth. Satan hates, like, just soak that in for a minute. He hates the truth. He can't stand the truth. That bugs him. And it says this, because of that, there is no, because there is no truth in him. And he says, when he lies, it is consistent with his character. Some translations say, he's, when he lies, he's speaking his native tongue. That's how he talks, because he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Now, now think about this for a minute. Satan is not a creator. Oh, wait, here's one thing. This is what he creates. He creates, he is the father of lies. Satan is a liar. Now, here's what you need to know about how Satan lies. He is very effective at subtlety. 
He's very effective at subtlety. Satan wants to be extremely subtle. And so if you were looking at something that's a color, right, and you were to see something that was, for instance, let's just say it's, it's a, a pink. Let's just say it's pink. Satan doesn't tell you that's black because you go, no, it ain't black. That's not black. I can tell that that's not black. Satan wouldn't say that. Satan would say, you know what? What's really weird, that's an odd hue of gray. And you would go, hmm, is it? And so what Satan wants you to do is he wants you to do the cocker spaniel. That's what he always wants to do. He wants you to do the cocker spaniel. So in other words, Satan will say something, and right after he says it, you go, hmm. <laughs> like if he can just get you to do that. If Satan can just get you to cocker spaniel, that's, that's part of his strategy. Now, stop and think about this. Garden of Eden. Go home and read Genesis chapter 3. Garden of Eden. There is no sin. Adam and Eve are in the garden. And God has already said to them, you can eat from any tree in the garden except the tree in the middle. You can't eat from that tree. Now, Genesis chapter 3, Satan approaches the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, and he said, has God really said you couldn't, you couldn't eat from that tree? Has he really said you couldn't, you couldn't just eat from any tree? And Adam and Eve started to go, Hmm. And he gets their attention because that's how he does it. That's, that's the same thing that Satan wants to do in your life. Now, I, I just want you to get this for just a minute. It doesn't matter when Satan lies. It doesn't matter that it's a lie. That part doesn't matter. The only part that matters is that you believe it. It doesn't matter if it's a lie. It only matters that you believe it. And here's why. Because a lie believed is truth will affect your life as if it were true. Now, think about that. A lie believed as truth will affect your life just like it were true. It doesn't matter that it's a lie. It only matters that you believe it. Now, if you know who this is, shout, shout this out. Do you know who this is? Harry Houdini. That's Harry Houdini. So Harry Houdini was born in the late 1800s and about 1900. He's making a name for himself, making a name for himself, making a name for himself. And here's what he would do. He was traveling. He was going town to town to town. And he's going to have a show that night. And the way that he would attract people and the way that he would get people to the show is he would contact local law enforcement before he gets to town. And he said, hey, here's this plan. Here's what I want to do. I'd like you, to, you guys to do this with me. And they say, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do that with you. So he would get to town. And the plan was they were going to lock him up in their, in their safest cell, in their greatest, most, you know, most fortified cell that they had. And so they would always do that. They would lock Houdini in the cell. It's got a solid door to it, man. Nobody could break out. Nobody could get out. And time after time after time after time, Houdini, the great escape artist, escapes, right? Until. So one law official gets wind of this. He knows what's going on. And so Houdini calls him, hey, I'm coming to town. The guy says, yeah, 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 sure, we'll do that. We'll do that. We'll do that. So he puts Houdini in the cell. He closes the door and you hear it latch, you know, just like any door, click. And then he puts the key in the lock and he intentionally turns it in the wrong direction. So actually the door is now unlocked. And Houdini worked all day. The stories that he worked all day could never get out and finally had to admit that he couldn't get out. Because every time he turned it, he locked himself in. Because it doesn't matter that it was a lie. It doesn't matter that the door was open. It only mattered that he believed it. It only mattered that he believed it was locked. Because a lie accepted as truth will affect your life as if it were true. Now, here's my question. What kind of lies are we believing? See, what kind of lie do you believe? Because if you believe it's true, it's true in your life. Now, I'm not, don't get me wrong. Truth isn't whatever you believe. 
Okay, that, that, we're not going to go down the silly, crazy path. Okay? But when it comes to a lie, if you believe the lie is true, in effect, in your life, it's true. And so what lie are you believing? What lie is keeping you locked in a cell? What lie is imprisoning you, even though it's a lie, even though it's not true at all? It keeps you in here. Now, let me give you some common lies. Let me give you some common things that we think. Number one, I'll never be good enough. That's a lie that some of y'all are believing. That's one that I've battled forever. You're never going to be good enough. You just never are. No one's going to ever accept you for you. In fact, if people really get to know you, if they really get to know you, they'd never love you. They just want to be gone. You're never going to be enough. You're never going to be good enough. And so consequently, what you have to do is you have to seek people's approval. You have to get people to approve you. You have to get people to like you because that's where your value is going to come from. That's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. I'll never be able to change. Some of y'all are believing this lie. I'll never be able to change. The way I am, the problems I have, these are going to go on infinitely. These will always exist. I'll never be able to change. I'm always going to be an addict, right? I'm never going to be able to break it. I'll always be overweight. I'll never be able to change that. Whatever the lie is, you'll never be able to change. I'll never get out of debt. My life is always a financial train wreck, and it's always going to be that way. I grew up like that. It's that way as an adult. I don't know why that is. It's just, it's just, it's not going to change. I'll always be just in debt. It's always going to be that way. I'll never have a successful relationship, which is closely linked to no one could ever really love me. I never saw a successful relationship. Every time I get close to someone, they, you know, they take off. I destroy it. I do something to sabotage it. I'm never going to have a successful relationship. I'll always be a victim. Some of you all are believing that. I'm always a victim. I'm always a victim. The Bible absolutely says we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. I'll always be a victim. Life is going to go along and then something's going to happen to me. I just know that something really terrible is going to happen. I just know because I'm just a victim. I'm just hanging out here waiting for terrible stuff to happen. And then here's another lie that some of you all are believing. God can never forgive me. Oh, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. God couldn't forgive that. I hear, you. I hear what you're saying, Pastor. I hear what you're saying like, oh, God forgives this sin and this sin. God could never forgive me. And very closely linked to God can never forgive me is God could never really love me. Okay, okay. God can forgive me. I get that. But he's not going to love me like he loves these other folks. I'm never going to have that kind of, because God could never really love me. These are all the lies. These are all the lies that we believe. And remember this, it doesn't matter that it's a lie. It only matters that you believe it. Because a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. It, it, it absolutely will. Like, this is the strategy of the enemy. Just just little cocker spaniel. Hmm. And now you start to buy into the lie. You start to buy into it. These are some of the most common lies that are out there. Now, I'm going to read you from Paul because Paul is going to tell us how do we do battle then? Okay, if that's the strategy of the enemy, it's to lie to you, just to get you to cock your head a little and think about it and start to absorb the lie. How do we combat that? Listen to what Paul says. And I would go back and I would read this. I would highlight this at home. To the Corinthian church, Paul writes this. We, we are human, but we don't wage wars as humans. Who's he talking to? The church, followers of Jesus, he's talking to us today. He's talking to you folks online. He's talking about you folks who are watching six months from now. 
We, followers of Jesus, people who have surrendered their life to Christ, people who have committed their life to Christ, people who have confessed their sin and received forgiveness. We, are we human? Yes, of course we are. We don't, do, we don't wage war as humans do. In other words, it's not, it's not like fist-to-fist combat. It's not that kind of thing. We don't wrestle. We, it's not that. Not in the spiritual realm. That's not how we actually do the battle. He goes on and he says this. We use God's mighty weapons. I'm going to come back and I'm going to explain that one too. What is God's mighty weapon? I'm going to show you. It's going to be clear to you. You're going to get this. Not worldly weapons. To do what? To knock down the strongholds. The strongholds. If I had my Bible, I would circle that word. I would underline that word. I would highlight that word. The strongholds of human reasoning. Now think about it. Human reasoning and what? To destroy false arguments. What are those? Those are lies. Those are lies, human reasoning, false arguments. Do you know how the devil works? You know, this is human reasoning. This is exactly the way he works. Let's say you're assigned to do something. You have someone at work. You have someone at home. You have someone at school. You have someone whatever, something you have to do. If you do really well and you're really good at it, then human reasoning, this is what the devil says. See, you don't need God. You got to figure it out. You don't need God. And if you did the exact same offense, the, uh, the exact same thing, and it went horrifically just wrong. It just went bad. It didn't go well at all. What does Satan say? See, you, you can never succeed. You can never do anything. Nothing ever is going to go right in your life. Think about this. You have a first date. If you have a first date, and the first date goes really well, and you're ecstatic, and you're really jacked about it, you know what Satan says? See, that's what makes you happy. You just need to be in love. It's another person. That's how you get really happy. If you have a first date and it goes horrific, if it goes terrible, Satan says, see, no one's ever going to love you. You can never have a successful relationship. Why? Because that's, that's human reasoning. And he's going to destroy false arguments. Now, now listen, this word strongholds, 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 very important word. That word strongholds is the Greek word okuroma, and it means to fortify. Now watch how this works. He's comparing a stronghold. These strongholds, if you went into one of the ancient cities, so a lot of times they'd have a wall around the city. Sometimes they didn't have walls around the city, but whether they did or whether they're not, then inside the city there is a stronghold. There is a fortress. They would be built up on a hill, and these fortresses, these strongholds, would have walls built around them. And they say, historians say, that those walls could be as much as 20 feet thick. Okay, time of war, who do you put inside the stronghold? You put your key strategic leaders, you put your key political figures, and some of your key military strategists. Why? So that when the cities attack, they can't be taken. They, They can't be taken. Okay, eventually, they would see those walls as impenetrable. Eventually, they would all leave, and the military leaders come out, and the key strategic people come out, and the key political leaders out, and what do they do? They rebuild the city. Okay, listen to me. Paul is, he, he's comparing, he's comparing these human reasoning, these lies, and these, these false arguments. These, he's comparing them to strongholds. He's comparing those to strongholds in your life. And he says this, you have to knock them down. You have to demolish them. You don't just tap them once and walk away. You have to knock them down and you have to demolish them and you have to wipe them out. The, this, this word that's translated 
knock down is katareo. Katareo means this. It means to knock down with a violent act. It means to tear down, to pull down violently, like with a wrecking ball. That's how you have to destroy these strongholds. Well, what are strongholds? They're the lies that we've been believing. Those are the lies that we've been believing. He says, you have to tear them down. You have to attack them. You have to violently, with great force, tear them down. Now, here's the bad news. You and I don't have the power to do that. Here's the good news. The power of the Holy Spirit absolutely can. We are not defenseless. We will tear them down, right? Paul's saying, you got to tear these things down. You've got to destroy them. Now, here's what we know. If the enemy's strategy is to lie, the only way you can tear down a lie is with truth. The only way you defeat a lie is with truth. Now, here's the bigger question. Where do we find some truth? Before you answer, I'm going to give you some clues of where we're not finding it. You ain't finding it on Fox, everybody. Not the kind of, uh, of, 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 of uh, truth that tears down strongholds. You ain't finding it on CNN. That's not where you're finding it. You are not going to find it on social media. I know this is a shocker. You ain't find it on Facebook, Instagram. It is not on Twitter. It is not on TikTok. You are not finding the kind of power to tear down strongholds. It's not there. It is not going to be there. The only way you defeat a lie is with truth. But the only, the only place to find truth is in God's word. That's it. That's the power that we have to tear down strongholds. Now, Paul again in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is talking, the Apostle Paul is talking about the fact that we're in a spiritual battle. That we fight against the schemes, the schemes of the enemy. These are the schemes of the enemy. And so for that reason, he's telling believers in Christ, he says, listen, man, put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. You have the shield of faith. Put on the belt of truth. Put on the shoes of peace. And then he gives them one other one, and he says this, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Like, that's what we take. Now, listen, I think Paul wanted you to have a sword, but I think it's way beyond that. I think Paul wants you to wield that thing like a, like a weapon. I think if Paul were here, he would say, swing it like you mean it. That's how we use the word of God. We swing it like a weapon. We use it, why? To tear down strongholds. Because if you just tap on a stronghold, they'll come back and they'll rebuild. If you tear it down, if you totally destroy it, see, that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. Now watch, think about this. Think about this, the word of God. Think about this. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist. Remember, baptism service coming up. If you are followed Jesus and you have not been baptized, quick footnote, just quick footnote. Sometimes what makes it really difficult for getting baptized is you're 50 years old and you came to Christ in junior high. And you just say, I've been in the church. It just feels really weird to me. Can I just tell you how you will minister to a lot of other folks? If you get in the tank and get yourself dunked, get baptized, it's going to mean a great deal to you. It's going to mean a great deal to our church. So don't forget that. But listen, Jesus has just been baptized. Now he's been led by the Holy Spirit. We're told Matthew 4, he's been led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness. And now he's fasted for 40 days. He's fasted and prayed for 40 days. And now Satan, now, do you notice that? He's fasted for 40 days. Now Satan attacks him. Now Satan attacks him. And he's going to attack him three times. The first time he says, hey, hey, hey. If you really are the son of God, I see all those rocks over there, just turn them into bread. 
Now, do you notice what Satan does? If you are. See, Satan loves to challenge your identity. He wants to challenge who you are in Christ. He's talking to Jesus, if you really are. Right? And Jesus is not having any of it. And then Satan comes back a second time. Now, this one's interesting. Watch this. He takes him up to a high place. And he says, hey, if you really are the son of God, like, hop off this. Because it says he'll send his angels to care for you. Do you notice this? The devil knows the Bible? Did you think about that? The devil knows the Bible. Do you? Do I? Because he's going to use it. Jesus didn't have anything to do with that. And then he's up there in a high place and he says, hey, here's the deal. Man, if you worship me, if you worship me, just, just bow down and worship me. I'll give you all of this. He's messing with Jesus' identity. And Jesus is like, I'm God. I already own it all. Now watch. Jesus is God. How is he going to resist him? Every single time he says, oh, no, no, for the scriptures say, for the scriptures say, this is what's true. This is what's true. Here's what's true. This is what we know. The enemy's strategy is to create lies. Doesn't matter if you believe them. Doesn't matter if, you believe, or it doesn't matter if it's true. It only matters that you believe them because a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. Right? So number one, he's going to create lies. That's it. Then we got to look at our strategy. So here's what we're going to talk about real quick. Our strategy, number one, identify the lie. Identify the lie. You got to identify the lie. We'll talk about that in a second. And then you got to replace it with truth. You replace the lies with truth. Now, before I tell you how we're going to do that, I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about ruts and trenches. I want to talk to you a little bit about how your brain works. And I think this is very important because this is how God made us. This is how God wired you. This is the way your brain works. This is what happens. You do something. And it takes you a long time, and the process is slow, right? It's tedious. And then the next time you do it, you're like, hey, that was a little quicker. Hey, that was a little easier. That's why the first time you get on your bike, you come home and you're all bloodied up. Remember that? And then after a while, you're like, this is pretty slick. This is pretty slick, right? Neural pathways develop. Neural pathways are designed for efficiency. That's the way your brain works. That's why when you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth. If you brush your teeth, I should say, if you brush your teeth in the morning, right, and you get up and you're scrubbing, you don't brush and you don't go, okay, circle here. And then, and then I'm going to go over and, then, and I get to the back. You don't think about anything. You think about a million things that you're going to do that day. You know why? Neural pathways, neural pathways, neural pathways. That's why, that's why for those of you who drive, tell me this isn't true. That's why those of you who drive, there's some place that you go very often, very often, very often, very often. One day you drove there, you got home, you got home, you pulled in the garage, and you were like, how did I get here? <laughs> Have you done that? Everybody's done that. You know why? Neural pathways. Neural pathways are beautiful. It's the way God's designed it. It just makes you more efficient. You don't have to think about anything. Here's the question. See, these are the ruts. These are the ruts, and the ruts make us more efficient. God has blessed us with that. It's the way our brains are designed. Here's the question. What if that rut is something bad? See, what if that rut is a lie from the enemy? You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be good enough. See, that's a rut. And so you behave the same way. And you find you have these negative patterns in your line. I'm like, why do I always blow up? Why do I always get angry? Why does that always tick me off? Like, why am I always doing that? Why is it that when I feel like I get lonely, I just go to the mall and I just start shopping? Why am I always spending all my money? Why are my financial habits so destructive? Why, when I feel that way, why am I instantly grabbing the worst possible food that a person could consume and I'm shoving it in my mouth? Why do I always do that? Why am I consistently just irresponsible in relationships? 
relationships and I make the worst decisions? What is it in me that feels like, what lie am I believing? And I just jump into bad relationship, bad relationship, bad relationship, bad relationship. Why has this habit, why has this pattern, why is this in my life? Ruts, that's why. Okay, let me talk to you about trenches. See, ruts just happen naturally. Trenches you dig and they are work and it is intentional. I mean, you just, ah, and you get after it and you get after it and you get after it. So let me give you a couple examples because the ruts can become the lies. And I just wanna read you some and see if any of these resonate with you at all. Here's a lie. I'm a victim and nothing good will ever happen to me. Nothing good ever happens to me. Nothing good is ever going to happen to me. Here's the truth. And these are all from scripture. Don't just come up with your own truth. Do the hard work. What does God's word say? Because the scripture says this, Romans 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. That is biblical truth. Now here's a trench, you ready? Here's how you dig trenches. You create a declaration and you, you, you take it right from the scripture. And so the declaration created from that is this, I am not a victim. I am a victor in Christ. I am an overcomer. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right out of, like, that's not you just coming up with positive thought. Don't do that. That's human reasoning. That's the truth of God's word. Here's another lie. You, I can't really trust God. I don't know if God is really good, and I, so I can't trust him. Therefore, I need to have control. See, I need to be in control. Here's the truth. God demonstrates his own love for us. And he did it while we were still sinners. He sent Christ to die for us. Romans 5, 8. And so here's the declaration. God loves me more than I could ever possibly love myself. God knows me more than I could possibly ever know myself. He has only my best interests in mind and God can be trusted. If God didn't spend, spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also uh, along with him graciously give us all things? Romans chapter 8, 32. Like that's a trench. Now I'm gonna give you mine. And I'm not subtle about this stuff. And I say this all the time, all the time. I've shared this a million times. I've shared this, you're like, pastor, second verse, move on. But I'm telling you, it messes with you. When you come home at 16 and your house is empty and the person all your life who you've been the closest to, your mother, your own mother, when she leaves and never even says goodbye, never comes back ever and says, man, I messed up. You had no clue she was leaving. Now, what does that say to you? That's why I'm a train wreck, everybody. Like, I'm just saying, these create lies. So here's my, this is my lie. This is what I believe forever and ever. I'll never be good enough. If people really get to know me, they wouldn't possibly love me. Ultimately, my approval can only come from what other people think. so I will work very hard to gain the approval of others. That's a lie from hell. That is the tool of the enemy. So here's the truth. Ephesians 1 verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt me as his own son into his own family, bringing me to Christ 
through himself, through, to himself through Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure, Ephesians chapter 1. Now, this is my declaration. Just so you know this, this is how I do this. I have a page and a half, two pages of declarations at my quiet time every morning. I read from the scripture every morning. I spend time in prayer every morning, and then I read my declarations every single morning. I say them out loud. Therefore, I read them, I speak them, and I hear them, and I say them confidently out loud, not just my own thoughts, these are the words of God. John chapter 1, verses 2. This is uh, Further, this is more truth. I'll get you my declaration. This is my declaration. By confessing my sins and placing my faith completely in Christ, I am now an adopted son of God who has been grafted into the family of God with all the rights and privileges of a true son. I was delicately and wonderfully made by God himself. And for that reason, I'm of infinite value to God. My value to God is never based on my appearance, my performance, or what other people might think, but rather my approval of God is based completely on who I am in Christ. God loves me and God is passionate about me. Amen. Amen. And I read those every morning. That is a trench. You ain't, you ain't knocking down strongholds because you went like, tap, tap, tap. It's God's word. It's the power of God. And so I'll recommend it again, man. If that resonates with you, I don't usually endorse books, but I'm telling you, winning the war in your mind, winning the war in your mind. And so here's your big so what this morning. The truth in God's word defeats the lies in our minds. And you need to know that, that that is entirely possible. And so that's the truth. All right, that's the big so what. Now what's the big now what? Number one, question. Question. What lies are you believing? You may have grown up in the greatest Christian home, loving parents. Let me just throw it out there. What lies are you believing? Maybe you grew up a little more distraught. Hey, I tell my story. That's not a sob story. Some of y'all have way worse stories. You have way worse stories. You had, you had more significant things happen. I just know that's a fact. Some of you hear my story and you go, I wish I had your story. That was easy. Some of y'all, it's been just brutal. So here's my question. What lies are you believing? What lies are the devil trying to speak in you? He can just get you to conquer Spaniel just for a second. What lies are you believing? That's something that only the Holy Spirit is going to really be able to reveal to you. Some of you, it might, it might be coming to you, but what would the Holy Spirit say? What would the Holy Spirit say? What would the Holy Spirit reveal to you? Spend time in prayer. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Speak to those who love you, who are very close to you, who maybe see those things and can speak a word in truth. And if you're that person, don't speak it in truth unless they ask you. What do we say? Advice unasked for is most often unwanted. Right? But would you dare do that? Would you go to a loved one? Would you go to a close friend? Would you say to a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, amen? Do you see? Are there, right? And then number two, what's the truth of God's word? Now that's the work. That's the work. You gotta search God's word. I'm very careful about what I Google, but you can, you can use the word Bible verse, use those words, Bible verse, who am I in Christ, right? And start scouring the scriptures. And then would you write a declaration would you declare it? Would you dig trenches, man? Would you knock down strongholds? Now, here's the very selfish, here's my, and, I, and I'm just real, apparent, just real upfront about this. I want better for you. And I know the agony of what, it, uh, of what it does in our lives, but I would also say this, man, we're not a social club and we say this all the time. We are a church, we are the body of Christ. We have a purpose, a mission, 
and we have a vision. And you know, I can tell you this, when we're healthier, when we get rid of the lies, we're far more effective in the mission. It just makes us more effective. We're moving as a church, we're moving, we're having fingers into the community. We're super excited about that. No question about it, right? But I think if we got rid of the lies, we'd be even more effective. We would minister more effectively. More people would come to know Jesus, right? So a couple things for you to think about. Now let me throw out one other thing for you real quick. I'll ask our prayer team to come on up. If you're on the prayer team, come on up. Let me throw out one other thing to you. Number one, at the end of the service today, maybe God's put something on your heart and you're like, wow, that's a lie I'm believing and I wanna pray with somebody right now. I would, I would pray. If God revealed something to you, pray with somebody right now. Let's call it a lie. Let's start to say, what would God say to you about that? But I would also say this, we have a whole separate ministry at our church called prayer mentoring. And prayer mentoring are people who are trained to do specifically some of that. Some of these folks are prayer mentors, but you would meet with them. We assign, we don't charge for it. It's free, it's free service. And what you do is you get to pray with somebody and say, man, let's talk about what are the lies? What lies am I believing? How is, how, how is this destructive in my life? What am I doing? Why, what, what explains this destructive behavior in my life, right? Call the church, ask about prayer mentoring, go online cvchurch.org, go on there, just put in prayer mentoring, right? Go to work, go to work, go to work. Maybe stand your feet, we'll be dismissed. I apologize, man, I'm, I'm way long. I'm way long today, sorry about that. I just figured, you know, the Vikings played at about three o'clock this morning, so y'all don't care. Is that what it was, 8.30? So they've already, lo- well, they've already won, they've already won. If you're new, if you're a guest, if you're a visitor, right over out these doors, I see Nancy, I see Shawnee, I see Jay. Hey, if you're new, first time or second time, or maybe you've been here a few times, you've never been to our welcome room, you should go to our welcome room. You absolutely should. You're gonna meet some folks from the church. You're gonna get some questions answered. They've got a gift for you that says, thanks for joining us this morning and get a cup of coffee. The rest of you after service, get a cup of coffee, get a donut hole and just Meet some folks, introduce yourself to some people. You have no idea who they are. Just walk up like a weirdo and just introduce yourself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you, Jesus, for the truth of your word. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that it liberates us. It sets us free. It has the power to knock down strongholds. We believe that. And so, God, would you be speaking to us? Holy Spirit, in this week, would you speak to us? What lies are, are we believing? Like, Holy Spirit, just make them so clear, so clear. People here in the room, our brothers and sisters who are online, God, would you reveal the lie to us? And then, God, speak your wisdom into us. What do we do about those lies? What do we do? What is truth? God, that we would tear down strongholds with your mighty weapons. And now, Father, here's our ask as we leave this building. Would you help us to be the church, be the church, be the church to a lost and hurting world that desperately needs a Savior? God, would you grant us that? We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody. See you next week.